I'm Candace Long with Lessons in the Latter Days, offering biblical commentary to make sense of the times that we're living in. The following was recorded after the 2022 midterm elections. It is still very relevant today. Like many of you, I stayed up election night to see not just the results, but what these results mean in light of the times that we're living in. Today's teaching is called The Election Day Lunar Eclipse, God's Message to America. Typically, during the days following an election, the knee-jerk reaction is to badmouth the other side. As we've talked about in this series before, this is a sin God especially hates. It's called Lashon Hara, which means evil tongue. No matter what side of the aisle you identify with, God's Word teaches us never to argue and tear down the opposing side, but to speak a word in peace, accept defeat with grace, give thanks in all things, acknowledging His sovereignty, and walk humbly before our God. To begin with, I want to present three concepts of biblical Judaism that form the foundation for this teaching. The first concept is something we've talked about a lot, and that is the unique way that God speaks. His is an Eastern style of communication in that he speaks in pictures called tavniot that are scattered throughout Scripture and communicate layers of truth in what's called metaphorical language. This is the language of dreams, visions, and parables. These are earthly pictures of a heavenly reality. Now, what I have learned in walking with the Lord over 50 years is that He does not lay out deep, earth-shattering truths for just anybody to find. You have to be found worthy to hear them. Proverbs 2 tells us the ability to find that pearl of great price is proportional to how much effort you spend looking for it. This type of dedicated search, of putting all earthly pursuits aside in order to seek out God's wisdom, is what thrills him. And he proves himself over and over by being a rewarder of those who seek him. I'm going to share with you today what I learned in my search to find his perspective concerning this midterm election. The second concept concerns the two parts to biblical Judaism. I discuss them in more depth in my book, The Levitical Calling. But basically, there are two schools of thought. The first school is halacha that refers to all of the laws and ordinances that comprise the daily life and conduct of the Jewish people. The halakhic perspective is the how-to, the what of Judaism. It tells us what to do, what not to do, when and when not. The second school of thought is agada, which means to tell a story. It's the meaning of the things done in Judaism, the why. It is the parable or picture or tavnit depicted in the act. Now, if you think of halacha as the head, agada is the heart of Judaism. When Jesus taught, he did it in parables, using stories with characters, plots, and motives. 
His focus was to restore the importance of Egada, because in his day, the Jewish leaders were primarily concerned with halacha. For example, scolding Jesus, saying, You didn't wash your hands when you ate with sinners. You healed a man on the Sabbath. So one of Jesus' missions on earth was to communicate the heart of the Father to the religious leaders who were consumed by legalism and religion. The third concept is found in 1 Corinthians 15, in which Paul introduces the concept of the resurrection of the dead, contrasting a physical body and a spiritual body. Verse 46 reads, If there is a physical body, there is also a spiritual body. It is not the spiritual which is first, but the physical, and then the spiritual. This is a principle that teaches us how God instructs us. The key to finding His wisdom is to examine something first in the natural, learn all about it, and then let that picture speak to you on a deeper spiritual level. So what we're going to do is to look at the natural physical phenomenon known as a lunar eclipse, and then we'll break it out and explore it to see what spiritual lessons and message God has for us. Now, as an aside, I always advise writing your insights and observations down on paper, not typing them into a word processor or into your phone. Habakkuk 2 very specifically tells us to write the vision, make it plain upon tablets so he may run who reads it. This process of literally writing something down with pen and paper has been shown to unlock understanding in the brain. I believe this is why the enemy has removed cursive writing from our children's education. This should not be. There's a three-step process I use to break out God's meaning of something. This is what I use when breaking out dreams or visions. I call it the Hebraic Dream Interpretation Method, which is based on the steps that Joseph used in Genesis 41 when interpreting Pharaoh's dream. Step one for us is to look at a lunar eclipse in the natural. On the early morning of Election Day, I sat on my porch at 4.14 as the eclipse was beginning. It was a beautiful, clear night, and the moon was directly in front of me, and I watched the entire process, which took a little over an hour for the moon to pass through its stages, and I chronicled the experience. What does the word eclipse mean in the natural? Let's start with the basics. It is defined as an obscuring of the light from one celestial body by the passage of another between it and the observer. It is blotting the object out or hiding it. Now, there are two kinds of eclipses, a solar eclipse and a lunar eclipse. But the one that showed up on election day was the lunar one. NASA tells us that lunar eclipses happen typically once a year, but the kind we saw on November 8th was different. It's called a total lunar eclipse and lasts about 90 minutes. It occurs when the moon and the sun are on exact opposite sides of the earth, and the moon falls completely in the earth's shadow and appears as a deep shade of red. 
the Earth totally blocks the sunlight that normally would reach the moon. The more cloudy or dusty the atmosphere is, the redder the moon appears. Now, this one was witnessed by people all over the world, and interestingly, we will not see another one like this for three more years. It will appear on March 13, 2025. A final observation concerning the election moon is that the November full moon is known as the beaver moon. This is a time when beavers finish all their preparations for winter and retreat into their lodges. Now we move to step two, which is a deeper exploration into looking at what these things mean biblically. A key resource that I'm using is Rabbi Michael Washer's book, When All the Pictures Are Restored. This is one of my go-to resources to learn about the Tavniot throughout Scripture and how these pictures teach us about Messiah and his kingdom. We need to look biblically at the moon. Why is it significant? Rabbi Washer writes, The moon is ugly, desolate, barren, unfruitful, inconsistent, and unpredictable month to month. It has no light of its own. It can only reflect light. But the moon plays a huge role in the life of God's people. Now imagine trying to get an entire nation to all worship at the same time in different places at the appointed feasts. As you know, in the Torah, God instructed the Passover to be held in every generation on the 14th of Nisan, which is the first month of the year. Now, the only way to do that is to have a fixed time of telling when the first of the month is. So the entire cycle of Judaism was founded on the moon. In fact, one of God's appointed times is the three-day festival of Rosh Chodesh that takes place every month. It is the festival of the new moon. In ancient times, witnesses went in pairs to Jerusalem to testify to the Sanhedrin, the Jewish Supreme Court, of having seen the new moon. Once it was sighted, the authorities would pronounce the new moon sanctified, saying, Mikudesh, it is hallowed. The leaders would then light beacon fires on the top of the Mount of Olives, while people waited in every city and town to spot the fire from the town nearest them. When the northern kingdom was exiled to Babylon, they had signal towers all the way between Jerusalem and Babylon, so the people could all do the festivals on the same day, in order, in unity, as God intended. The moon was what God used to call his people to his appointed times. Now take special note of that statement. Let me say it again. The moon was what God used to call his people to his appointed times. This is clue number one for us. If you dig deeper, you will learn that lunar eclipses in particular are a very special sign for Israel. Pastor John Hagee published a book in 2013 called Four Blood Moons, during which he was researching how lunar eclipses relate to Israel. And here's what he wrote, quote, 
I chose the first date that came to my mind, which was the year of Israel's rebirth, and I typed in the search bar, Total Moon Eclipse in 1948. What I saw in the middle of the computer screen made me literally leap out of my chair. It read, Four blood-red total lunar eclipses will fall on Passover and Sukkot in 2014 and 2015, the same back-to-back occurrences at the time of 1492, 1949, and 1967, Now, these last three dates, 1492, 1949, and 1967, are the most important dates in all of Israel's history. 1492, as you know, was when America was founded, and many believe that the reason God raised up America and blessed it is because we became the safe haven for millions of Jews who fled persecution from around the world. According to the Jewish population statistics of September 2021, the majority of Jews live in one of only two nations, Israel with 6.8 million, and the United States with close to 6 million. The next major lunar sign was in 1948-1949, which was when Israel became a nation following the horrors of the Holocaust after World War II. And 1967 was the date of the Yom Kippur War when the Jews regained control of Jerusalem. Now, is all of this coincidence? No, this is God's language. Clue number two. I stumbled upon clue number three when researching the NASA website to find out when the next total lunar eclipse will be visible to the whole world. It gave the date, March 13, 2025. Now, like John Hagee, I almost came off the couch when I looked at what that date is on the Hebrew calendar. The next total lunar eclipse will occur on the 13th of the month of Adar. Now, this may not sound much to you, but this is an extremely significant date to Israel. It flagged my attention because I had written about this date in the podcast episode called Lessons from Ukraine, Part 1. I want to read you this part that I was taking note of the significant timetable of the breach when the Russian troops invaded Ukraine. Now, keep in mind, we're talking about the 13th of Adar. So here's what I chronicled on April 19th, 2022. Quote, Russia's invasion of Ukraine took place on February 24th. On the Hebrew calendar, February 24th was the 13th of Adar, A-D-A-R, which is the 12th month of the Hebrew calendar. This date is the day before the two-day festival known as Purim, which is always on Adar 14 and 15. As you may know, this festival celebrates God's miraculous deliverance of the Jewish people who were scattered throughout the entire Persian Empire after Babylon destroyed the temple. But the 13th of Adar was not a day of celebration. On the contrary, the 13th was the very day chosen by a wicked leader named Haman to kill all of the Jews in the Persian Empire. 
Queen Esther was told of the plot, and she proclaimed a fast by all of the Jews on that day, the 13th, as an appeal to God to deliver them from extinction. God answered their prayers and brought about miraculous deliverance. I find it significant that Ukraine is home to the 10th largest population of Jews in the world, with over 200,000. Adar 13 was Ukraine's breach on the very day commemorating an intent of the enemy to destroy Jews. This is significant. I see the Ukrainian invasion as a tavnit, a picture, a signal, a beacon for us to pay attention to that we have entered a time when the Jewish people once again are being targeted for extinction, unquote. Now, do you think the timing of this next lunar eclipse falling on a day that signals a plan to kill Jews is by chance? Not with God. This is his language. He's saying, pay attention. Something significant is happening. The final observation I want to bring to you is the metaphorical meaning of the three celestial bodies that are involved in a total lunar eclipse. We have the sun, the earth, and the moon. We learned that during such an event, the earth is right in the middle with the sun on one side and the moon on the other. Rabbi Washer sheds light on this after presenting verse after verse to prove his point. He writes, Throughout Scripture, the sun is a picture of God and of Messiah, and the moon is a picture of the bride. Now, who is this bride? The bride of Messiah. It is Israel with whom God made an everlasting covenant at Mount Sinai. Israel agreed to receive his Torah and walk in his ways and teach the world what he's like. Many Christians mistakenly believe that we have replaced Israel. We have not. When Jesus spoke to the people in Matthew 5, saying, You are the light of the world, he was speaking as the Jewish Messiah, the Son, to the Jewish people, his bride, the moon the ones he chose to reflect the light of the sun. Now, if Christians have been grafted properly into the Jewish vine, then we are, like them, the light of the world, his bride. Let's move to the final step in which I will do my best to present four things I believe God is saying through the Election Day lunar eclipse. Number one is a word of warning to America. This is our day of election. We are right in the middle between two opposite bodies of belief. The sun represents the ungodly authority that has raised itself up over our nation. That authority used to be God, but it is being replaced by powers associated with the final kingdom. On the other side is the moon, which represents the bride that the Messiah is coming for. This is the time to choose between these two celestial bodies, and the choice will not be easy, because our perception is eclipsed by the dark spiritual atmosphere surrounding earth. 
This has affected our ability to see the bride clearly and understand our role in this landscape. As a result, the earth is moving into a period of obscurity where a shadow will fall over the moon and make it more difficult to reflect the true sun. But the time of obscurity will pass, and the moon, the bride, will once again radiate his light. Number two is a warning sign concerning the next lunar eclipse that will occur on Adar 13 in 2025. This day signals the plan of the enemy to turn against God's people and kill the Jews. Christians must never forget the Jewish people are key to understanding and recognizing the signs of the days leading up to the day of the Lord. What I see is that for the next three years, the United States may undergo some difficult, difficult days, as well as other nations around the world, such as Ukraine. God will use this upheaval to spew his people out of those other nations and call them back to Israel. Just as the Ukrainian war caused its Jewish people to flee and return to Israel in droves, so I believe this will happen in the United States as well. For God to call his people to return to the land, they will have to become more uncomfortable in the nations that they turned to for safety. They will no longer feel safe here. Anti-Semitism will grow, but God will use this time to bring his people home before the day of the Lord. I see this happening within the next three years. As I've said in other episodes, my research tells me we are within the seven-year period before the day of the Lord begins. So things are going to get worse leading up to that, and there will be great shaking among all of the nations against Israel. Number three is a word of encouragement to those believers who consider ourselves aligned with Israel and grafted into the Jewish vine. As the bride of Messiah, we must remember that God gave the moon to rule the night. We are at home in the dark. It is there, in the midst of persecution and hatred, that God's light will shine the strongest. And number four is a word of wisdom to take note of the beaver moon. I believe God is saying this is a time for us to finish our preparations because winter is coming. As Isaiah said, Come, my people, enter into your rooms and close your doors behind you. Though this verse refers to being in the seven-year tribulation period, which we are not yet in, I believe the wisdom is that we are close and we need to finish our preparations to keep our families safe. In closing, the moon has no permanent home in the earth. The Hebrew meaning for the word moon means the wanderer. This is not our home. We are headed toward the kingdom. All of these signs were given to Israel 
If we are properly aligned, we have a front row seat to the unfolding of human history before our eyes. To God be the glory. I want to thank you so much for being with me today. If you'd like to share this podcast, you'll find it on my podcast page at CandiceLong.com slash podcasts. Look for the episode, Election Day Lunar Eclipse, God's Message to America. I hope you join me again next time for Lessons in the Latter Days. God bless.